In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's gospel is actually one of the more difficult gospels to practice. It's, an, it's one that most people like, but not one that, that most of us practice. And we read this every single day. It's actually the prayer of um, the second hour of the Midnight Watch. Um, it's prayed every single day. And the message is very simple, which is, don't judge, right? It's, it's, it's very, very, very simple. But unfortunately, many of us don't know what judgment is, and we, we think we do, because, well, we, then people wear t-shirts now saying, only God can judge me, um, and all sorts of things, um, even when some don't even believe in the God on the t-shirt. But... Um, we sometimes think today that judging means that we're not allowed to say that something is wrong um, and that something's not supposed to happen. This is not the case. Um, some people think that judgment is to say that a behavior is wrong and that's not the case. Obviously even society is okay with judging in that case, which is why they have laws, right? Is that they're, they're allowing an authority to say that a behavior was wrong, right? So we do believe that it is fine to say that something is right or wrong. Um, there are things that we're allowed and supposed to evaluate. If I don't have a sense of judgment or discernment of something being right or wrong, then how on earth will I ever even make a decision, right? If I, if I am completely arbitrary, I have to have some sense of right or wrong Otherwise, I don't even know what I'm evaluating when I'm making a choice, right? So having a concept of right or wrong is not the same as judging, okay? So discerning a right from wrong is not a sin. Evaluating, however, the worth of a person or drawing up an estimation or value of a person and then assigning a consequence to that, this is judging and this is sentencing. When you bring a piece of jewelry, for example, into a jeweler for, for appraisal, the jeweler will look at it, test it, and then he'll tell you what the piece of gold is worth. He judges it and he evaluates it. If we do this to people, then we are in error, right? So I can notice a wrong, but even the legal system, again, looking at just a secular system, until someone is proven guilty, then you're not allowed to write that he's a criminal or that she's a criminal. You can only say allegedly, right? You're not allowed to say that this is a murderer, right? You can say this person allegedly committed a murder, but you're not allowed to go and give this title. So what's the difference between the two practically? Because a lot of people of faith do struggle with the difference between judging something and, and calling a spade a spade, if you will. To me, the good analogy would be to look at people, uh, all of us, have different handicaps, right? I used to be a pharmacist. If somebody comes in in a wheelchair, I haven't judged a person by noticing that this person is on a wheelchair. The person is on a wheelchair, right? I'm not, I'm not giving a value to the person, but I'm aware that the person has, has some kind of dysfunction, right? Because it's become obvious somehow in our interactions. For me to say that I recognize that this person is unable to walk right now, 
is not to say this is a horrible person, is not to say what a diseased person, is not to say this incompetent person, is simply to say here is a person who is unable to walk for whatever reason, right? There is no assessment, there's no evaluation, there's simply a statement of the obvious. So if I notice that somebody is cussing, I'm not judging by saying you're cussing, right? I'm judging if I say you horrible cusser, right? There's a difference now between um, what has gone on in my mind. One is to notice, the other is um, to evaluate. And we're going to come back to this analogy because sins themselves are diseases, right? So I use a physical disease analogy, but sins we view in the Orthodox Church as being a disease of the spirit. So if I judge, judgment means that I actually think myself to be greater than another person. If I judge, it means that I'm putting myself in a position of greatness. Because only a greater can evaluate a lesser, right? It doesn't, it doesn't work the opposite way. A student can't assess the knowledge of a teacher unless the student thinks he has more knowledge than the teacher. Because how is he going to recognize where there's a gap in the knowledge of the teacher unless he supposes that he's already filled in that gap, right? It's, it's, it's counterintuitive. To know what's missing, I need to know more than another person to be able to identify that thing that's missing. So whenever I judge, I am actually implicitly saying that I believe I know more than you. I believe that I have a greater sense of righteousness than you. Because if I'm judging you, it means that I'm able to tell you what you lack as though it's something that I have, and it means that I think I completely understand the scenario, which is complete and utter pride, right? If I put myself in that position, it means that I see myself greater than I ought to think. And judgment, a lot of people don't realize, is a theft from God. Judgment is to usurp God's rule and say that I'm the one who, who gets to. So there is truth to the only God can judge me, it's just that most people are saying it with a, a wrong understanding of what, of what it means. Our Lord says the Father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the Son. So if I judge, I'm actually saying, well I don't know why the God of the Father gave that to the Son, but I, I'll do it. Right, I'll take over for you from here. Right, there's there's actually a very deep presumptuousness in the act of feeling that I'm I have the ability to do so. So why do we judge? Because arguably every single one of us probably does it daily. Right, if we look at society, it's it's even though they they'll say like judgment is wrong and be tolerant, etc. I don't know how true that is. Right? When somebody thinks of a leftist, like, oh, liberal, atheist, infidel, all sorts of labels start coming out. They look at the right and like, oh, bigot, hatred, anti-science, pro-this, anti-that. Right? We have these labels that just come spewing out the minute, right, that we put our labels on it. We have labels for evangelicals, labels for orthodox, labels for Catholics, labels for Jews. We have labels for every, absolutely everything. So as much as society is claiming not to judge, we're judging, which is wrong, right? So then why are we judging? Often it's to form our clubs, right? Often it's because we want to feel secure in what we're doing. The Pharisees 
and the priests judged the Lord because he was different. And so the judgment was to agree to discredit him to keep their own positions, right? Because if our Lord was right, they were going to feel a challenge to their system. If the Lord was right, then it meant that there's a judgment on them that they're wrong. But nobody likes to be wrong, right? So the easier thing to do rather than to be wrong is to assign everybody else the wrong label, right? And to judge them as being wrong. In fact, even the verse in which our Lord said that God the Father committed judgment to the Son came right after they were freaking out on our Lord for making for performing a miracle on a Saturday, right? That was, that was the issue that transpired in our Lord even making that statement, was that they were so worked up that he was doing something differently that they needed to make a point of that. Sometimes it's to justify our own behaviors. If we can say that I'm not as bad as such and such a person, or at least I haven't done such and such like these people, then I tend to feel more secure where I'm at. It's easier for me to to excuse my behavior by pointing out how wrong others are, right? Sometimes we'll meet people who who have left the church for whatever reason, and maybe they're not living the most righteous lifestyle, right? I'm not going to call them unrighteous people, but maybe they're not the most righteous lifestyle. And so you'll have people, you'll see both extremes of judging, right? You'll have somebody from within the church being, oh, of course he left because he loves sin, right? That horrible person who wants to live in in a horrible way. But then you'll have the person who left who's like, of course I'm not going to go there. It's full of hypocrites and liars and and really awful people. Both sides are are judging, and both sides are, are judging to justify why they are where they are, right? And so often we'll ask somebody, well, why do you do this? It won't even be like, oh, because of um, something internal. It'll be about how bad someone else was that made me have to respond the way that I do, right? It's, it's because of, of that. If someone cheats on an exam and buys a, an exam from the TA, it's like, well, this is not so bad. Don't you know that so-and-so actually did and add 20 other transgressions to the list? Right? We often look to judge because we want to justify our behaviors. And sometimes it's in a wrong, but sometimes this judgment comes off as being fake righteous. Sometimes it'll say, I'm not going to accept, I know that I'm not, but this priest, right? Because um, he's not spiritual enough, right? And sometimes this judgment of not spiritual enough is because the priest or the servant or the person disagreed with my evaluation of something. Maybe it's because I wanted the person to tell somebody that they're wrong and he didn't or the servant didn't, right? So sometimes our judgment is disguised as something righteous and we'll even pull out the scriptures and the verses and say, because look, doesn't the Bible obviously say this? Doesn't the teaching obviously say this? And so we still are doing the same thing that we want to justify our own positions by saying that the the flaw or the discrepancy is in the other person. And sometimes we judge for a very simple reason, very, very simple reason, and that 
We like to be right. Very simply. It's more comfortable to be right than it is to be wrong. And so sometimes we just want to be the one to call the shots. And we want to be that authority, the authority figure that everybody else turns to. Right? And so if I'm the one who's seen as the intelligent one, or if I'm seeing the one that has that gift of discernment, it's a nice position to have, right? It's nice when people come to you and say, what do you think, right? We have so many positions that come from this. Your resident experts on any topic that the news consults on is seen as the authority on that thing. We like to have that position. We like to become the authority figure. But judgment leads to other people's death. I'm going to repeat some stories that we've talked about before, but I want us to meditate them on them in the light of judgment now, not in, in the light that we looked at them before. We have this story, for example, of a monk, a brand new monk, during the time of St. Anthony, so this is the beginning of monasticism, who fell into sin, and the monks of that monastery threw him out and told him, you're just not good at this, right? This is, this is you made a mistake, game over, you're a fornicator, get out. We don't even actually know what this sin was, right? It's, 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 it's implied that it was a sexual sin, but we actually have no idea, right? When they did this, the poor guy despaired, right? He thought, like, okay, great, now I have no opportunity monasticism, probably was paranoid about returning to the world and looking like a failure, right? So that even if he went back, they were going to judge him in his own community, being like, I thought you were going to be a monk. It turns out you weren't good enough. What did you do, right? And then if he tells them what you do, then now they're going to not only judge him in the monastery, they're going to judge him in his own community, right? So the, the person is broken, right? And in despair. Of course, St. Anthony in his wisdom sent him, sent him back, right? And this shows you how deep judgment is. Even though St. Anthony sent him back, the founder of monasticism, right, whose principles that they are theoretically trying to emulate, they still rejected him. They rejected him such that St. Anthony had to bring him back himself and say to them, if a storm, if a ship is out in a storm and somebody is thrown off the boat, and with great wrestling you get the person back in the ship, are you going to then take that person and actively throw them back in the water? Right? And they understood his, his message from saying that. Or the story of the monk who fell just into thoughts of lust. Right? Where there's a famous story of a very young person who just entered. And the older monk, when he found that out, the younger, this younger monk in, in humility confessed his weakness before the older monk and saying, I'm really struggling with my thoughts. Right? And the older monk was like, oh, then you're not a good monk. Right? You need to leave. Right? And so the poor monk was actually in despair. And he started packing his stuff to go. And God in his mercy sent him a moderate middle-aged monk um, to, to teach him that this wasn't what he needed to fear. When we judge people, you don't realize how much you can affect them. Right? When you make somebody f to feel that they're ugly and that they're evil and that everything about them is, is wrong then you are depriving them of hope, right? You're teaching them that they don't have value because you assigned a negative value to them. You've assigned to them worthlessness. Or you've assigned to them that at any rate they're worth less than most people. And that will lead to many 
prefer despair. And your judgment makes you treat people, whether you realize it or not, in a wrong way. Here I can confess my, my own faults. I was working in a pharmacy and I had this old couple who I judged as being the most impatient and aggressive and frustrating people. Every time that they would, that they would come in, I would internally have a negative reaction. Right? I was like, oh great, they're here again. Right? Because they would drop their script off on the one end and immediately walk to the pickup as though it magically happens in seconds. And I would be brooding over this in my mind. Right? I'm like, watch it, it's going to come. She's going to do it again. She's going to walk right over. Right? And I would even like need to sometimes pull into my office to just not be rude. And one day the person, the, 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 the husband had a script that wasn't um, I didn't judge, and I'm allowed to judge scripts, um, as, as safe for him, right? So I did a, a workup with him, which I was very proud of myself for, as this deep act of righteousness that I did a workup on someone I don't like, right? Called the physician, right? And had a change happen. And one of the drugs that was changed, that was changed, was a drug that hadn't come out yet. And the person, the person's wife came in, saying, where is the medication? I'm like, I told you. I told you it was going to be two days, and I'm like losing it, right? Complete impatience, and I'm like, feel justified in my judgment. An hour later, after she's left, the phone call, uh, phone starts ringing, and there's call display, and it's, and it's the house of that family. And I picked up the phone to say, this is what judgment does to us. And I had never done this before. I didn't say hello, I didn't say how are you, I didn't even say hey, such and such pharmacy. My response was, I know I don't have the drug. The drug is going to be in tomorrow. I completely lost it. And the poor man, right, it was a British couple, and I'm like, yeah, the British are cold, right? Like, it was, it was what was in my, in my mind. The poor man said, I'm, I'm really sorry, I, I actually was calling to ask if you think it's safe for me to wait until next week to get my prescription because we actually aren't able to afford getting into the pharmacy more than once a week. We don't have the funds to pay for public transportation. And right away, <laughs> all I felt was guilt and remorse, right, of how horrible, how horribly I was treating these people externally, how horribly I was treating them internally, how many judgments I made Right? And not realizing that maybe, maybe there's a behavior, maybe there's a situation that makes people behave the way that they do. And if I isolate them and ostracize them, maybe they're not even going to have access to their own care. Right? When we judge people, we treat them wrongly. And that wrong only leads to more wrongs. The wrongs never lead to the right. The wrongs only lead to more and more wrong. And judgment blinds you to the good in others, right? Is that look at what the Pharisees did. In the story of, of Christ doing the healing on the Sabbath, their judgment blinded them to the fact that a supernatural healing occurred, right? They were completely oblivious to the fact that a human being, allegedly, just performed a supernatural wonder. They were completely oblivious to that. All they could think about was, it's Saturday, it's Saturday. Why, what are you doing? It's Saturday, right? And that they completely missed the point of this guy just healed somebody, right? Which is a big deal. And the story that we just read, 
our Lord points out to his host that he did the same thing. He said, look, look at what you're doing, right? You're judging this person. But you've actually been very inhospitable, right? This lady came in and is offering me stuff. You're the host and you're not offering anything. This person that you're calling evil is being exceptionally kind to me. And you're not, right? You didn't even greet me in the customary manner of greeting people, right? Most likely, this Pharisee brought him into his house actually to test him, right? It was to figure out who is this guy, right? Again, to justify his position. And so in the midst of judging, you completely miss out on all of the good things that people are doing, right? Even look at how our Lord dealt with the Samaritan woman. He had every right to judge her because she was living in sin, and he didn't. He still looked for the good in the midst of her sin. In the midst of her sin, he praised her for telling the truth, right? He was just like, good for you, you're very honest. It is true that you don't have this, right? Is that when you judge, you miss out on seeing what is good in others. Sometimes we judge people because of how they look, right? Or what country they come from. Um, but we overlook the good that they do for us because we're so fixated on the thing that we don't like about them. And judgment blinds you not only to the good of others, but to your flaws, right? Judgment blinds you to the problems that you have, right? We already talked about the story of St. Moses the Strong, right? When he was asked to come to join in judgment and instead put a bag of sand over his back with a hole in it. Right? When they asked him, what are you doing? Right? You're walking around leaving a trail of sand. He said, these are my sins that are behind me, that I'm walking around with, trying to act like I don't have when I go to judge my brother. Right? Is that, why are we putting our own sins behind us, right? where they're out of sight, while coming to meet up to judge other people? And the deep problem with this is that judgment deprives you of grace. Judgment is a full stop, not because God stops giving His grace, but because you have shut the hand to grace. Because God said, the proud I know from afar. The Lord humbles the proud. In that story of that older monk who condemned the younger monk and told him, like, oh, you, you, you're a horrible monk, you, you have these wrong thoughts. Our Lord took away the grace from him, and he started having those thoughts in his old age, and he panicked, and he was petrified that suddenly in his old age he had those. Because he didn't realize that it was God's grace protecting him from that warfare. It wasn't his own righteousness that protected him from warfare. It was the grace of God. If I take on myself to judge somebody, I'm going to fall. Be very aware that if you judge others, you are likely to have a monumental fall. God resists the proud. He knows them from afar. And this is why in the in the twelfth hour, one of the Psalms that we read is, Lord, my heart is not haughty. My, 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 my heart is not conceited. It's not arrogant. Nor mine eyes lofty. I don't look for positions above me. Neither do I allow myself to engage in things that are above my level. Right? It's to say, let me not see myself as righteous or as able to do anything extravagant because I'm trusting in your mercy. I'm not trusting in my strength. 
What's better is self-awareness. So if we go back to the analogy of, 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 of being handicapped, if I know that I also am handicapped, then I'll realize that there's absolutely no point in sitting there talking about everybody else's handicaps, right? That person might be crippled and in a wheelchair. Well, I have a completely paralyzed left arm. The other person has a dysfunctional wrist, right? Every single one of us has a handicap. So to sit there labeling everybody's like diseases is an absolutely useless exercise, right? What is it that you're going to accomplish by just yelling out diseases? Absolutely nothing. But if instead we realize that there's a task to get done, it's the salvation of all, then rather than saying that person is this disease and that person is this disease, right, is to say, okay, maybe the task is we need to hang this picture up, all right, I, this person can't walk, okay, I have a problem with my left arm, this person has a problem with that, how can we with our different disabilities get the job done? Okay, maybe the person who is in this chair is able to hold up the picture for me. This person who has more stability can hand it to me. I'm going to hammer in the nail because my right arm is fine. Instead of looking at what's wrong with people to judge them, is saying, how can we get the work done with all of the different issues that all of us have? Suddenly, we change it to being constructive and positive rather than to be a labeling batter, battle. If I'm aware of my own iniquities and grateful to God that He covers me, because God doesn't expose all of the secret sins that we have, then I will also not want to expose others. Right? If I'm aware that I have so many weaknesses and so many sins that people don't know about, and we all do, then I should be thankful to God for covering me. Right? Because God could put us all on blast. But he doesn't, right? This is what we mean in the Thanksgiving prayer when we say, for you have covered us. It's to say that you don't expose the things that we're doing to the whole world. And if I'm grateful to him for covering me, then rather than judge others, I should seek to cover others. I shouldn't seek to expose them. Even the story we said before of St. Macarius, where is that young monk that was falling into sin, and St. Macarius knew. Rather than go expose him, and the devil was bragging, right, on how like, badly this monk was falling, St. Macarius didn't go to him and be like, listen, man, I already know you're doing all this stuff, right? St. Macarius went to him and said, how's your struggle? He's like, nothing, I'm good, everything is great. He's like, oh, you're lucky, right? He didn't say, no, you're a liar, right? You're actually doing blah, 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 blah. He was like, you're really, really lucky, because you know what? Sometimes I struggle with this and this and this, right? He exposed his own weakness, right? Which might not even have been real, right? But it was real in his own eyes, right? To lift up the person, not to expose him. You know, sometimes I do this, sometimes I do this. And one by one, that monk was like, yeah, me too, yeah, me too, right? Even though at the beginning it was, no, I don't. But look at how mercy brings out the best of people, not judgment. If St. Macarius went to him and said, listen, you're messed up, right? You've got a horrible life. I don't know what you're doing out here. I told you a million times, don't live alone. Come live out with here, right? Coming at him with like his, his lecture and his judgments and his anger, I'm sure that the monk could have been 100% defensive and been like, listen, you're not the boss of me, right? And all that kind of engaged like stuff that we have. But mercy brings out the best of people. If we have mercy on people, we can actually 
get things done. And if you become aware, right, which is self-accusation, it'll lead you to more love. If I can accuse myself and know the wrongs that I've done, I'm going to end up loving more. This is why our Lord said, because her sins were many, she was forgiven much because she had messed up much, but the result was she loved much. Like in the Lord's parable, right? Let's just switch it to instead of 500 versus 50 denarii. If somebody owed $10 million and another person only owed 1000 I would think that the person with the $10 million debt that just suddenly got completely wiped out is going to be so grateful, right? He's going to be extremely grateful. The 1000 person might think, well, like, I could work a little over time and get there. But the $10 million debt, he knows like, I'm, there's no way, right? This is going to be the rest of my life that I'm indebted. But hopefully that person who's forgiven $10 million is going to be merciful to others because he's going to remember that he should have been in jail, right? Or he should have been sitting in a collections office, not, not where he is. Hopefully he's willing to forgive other people the stuff that they owe him, right? There's another parable where after the person's forgiven the debt, they go and don't forgive, Right, that if somebody owes him ten dollars, I'd hope after being forgiven ten million, right, that he's able to forget the ten dollar debt, right? That's that's owed to him. If not, he's he's a very he's practicing injustice, um, and that's why I have to learn to see myself. So, practically speaking, what then do you do if you see a wrong? First, ask if it is actually your responsibility to teach. Is it actually your duty? Because parents do have a duty to teach their kids, right? That doesn't mean they're allowed to, to judge their kid, but they have a duty to teach their children, right? To teach what is right or wrong. It's very different from saying, you're a horrible kid, right? You're a bad kid because you did blah, blah, blah. We don't, we don't teach like this, right? But we hold things up to the truth. So the right behavior is this. The right practice is, is this. So if it is your role to teach, okay, then do so in love, Right and do so not because of your dignity, not because of your want of respect, not because of your rights, but you're doing it as a responsibility in your function that God has delegated to you. Because if you're doing it for that reason, you are going to deal much more mercifully than most of us do. Most of us see wrongs as though it's a transgression against us personally. It's not. A wrong is a transgression against God. Because God is the only righteous, completely righteous one in existence. So the wrong is against him, not against me. Where possible, okay, even in the case where you're not in a position anymore of, of correcting, where possible, cover. Don't expose, right? If something wrong happened, don't expose the person, right? Don't be like, oh, that was so-and-so. That shouldn't be your gut instincts. Right? Rather than saying, oh, even if it's at work, that guy didn't do this. Maybe better to, to say, oh, I guess it was probably, maybe it was really busy last night and, and they didn't get um, a chance, so it was forgotten. You know what? I was supposed to have reminded somebody and I didn't remind. So I'll, I'll go take care of that. Don't, don't expose, right? Don't be like, yeah, that guy never does it. It drives me crazy. He's always late, right? Like, don't look for a reason to expose a person, rather have your leaning to be covering. Don't look for wrong. 
don't try and find the wrong. It's one thing to notice when people are doing wrong, and it's another thing to try and find the wrong things that people are doing. If you are trying to find them, then you definitely you're judging A and B. This is just horrible behavior. This is the opposite of the virtues that our Lord taught us. If I'm looking to find what's wrong, then I have something cruel in me. I want somebody um, to suffer. Then make excuses for the person. If someone's in a, in a wheelchair, am I going to yell at them that they're in a wheelchair? Like maybe they got in a car accident. Maybe something happened that someone else did, right? When something is obvious to me, I seem to be able to make excuses. So when someone says, does something wrong in me, make excuses, right? Maybe this person who I know is lying to me, maybe they grew up in an environment that whenever they told the truth, right, maybe they were in a dysfunctional home, okay? Maybe whenever they told the truth, they just got in more trouble. And so their escape instinct is just to always make up stuff. Is it wrong? Yeah, it's wrong. Right? But if I can make excuses and say, maybe this is the reason for their behavior, I'll have less, less wrath towards them. I'll have less self, sense of self-wrong um, going on. I'll be able to look at them with more compassion. Because now I'll say, oh, something caused them to do this. If they're aggressive, maybe they were bullied a lot. Right? And so that as they got older, they're like, no, I was always bullied and I've had enough of it. I'm going to be forceful. I'm not going to give them the opportunity to bully me. Is that the right response? Maybe not. But it doesn't matter because we're not going to evaluate it. It's to say, how do I interact with this person who has this um, issue? So make excuses. Because if you can recognize that sin is also a disease, then rather than be angry with them for sinning, you'll have compassion on them for sinning. This is what our Lord did, right? Our Lord saw the sickness of our souls and our bodies, and rather than stand up in heaven and tell us how disgusting we were, He actually humbled Himself, took the form of a servant, and sat and ate and dined with sinners and told them there's hope for you and don't worry about it. I can fix it because I am the physician, and I'm happy to do so, and I don't think you're horrible people. He never did that. The only people he told off were the ones who were judging, right? They're the only ones that, that he got upset, upset with. Then self-accuse. Ask yourself, where do I do the exact same behaviors that I'm condemning, right? If I'm accusing somebody of, of theft, well, how much have I stolen, right? Maybe I've actually stolen in the, in the legal sense in my life, but maybe I'm stealing in other ways. Maybe I'm clocking out late when I actually didn't do much work. Maybe I'm stealing time by, by not clocking out late, but I'm not doing my job while I'm there. Maybe I stole credit from somebody. Somebody did something right, but I took credit for it as though it was me. I stole if I did that. Self-accuse and ask yourself, where have you done the exact same thing for which you are judging your brother? Because you most likely have. We've all done virtually every single sin in existence. Then, don't make things worse for that person. right? If someone is, is blind, for example, don't trip them. right? That's, that's, that's not merciful. right? So if, you're, if you notice that somebody has a problem, don't set them up. If you know that somebody has a weakness of gossiping, because they're always gossiping, right? don't walk in and be like, oh, did you see so-and-so? And get them going. right? You're leading them now. To, into their weakness, right? Don't make things worse for people. Help where you can, rather than 
evaluate. If someone can't walk to the door because they've lost a leg, walk with them rather than yell at them, right? If you know your, your classmate has a temper, right, and something happened, rather than leaving them to go to the teacher knowing that they're going to lose it and then they're not going to get justice, right, offer to go speak with them or on their behalf, right, and say, my friend is a little bit hurt um, because this happened to them. Because you know that your friend, if they speak, is not going to say it nicely. They're just going to start screaming and, and yelling. Look for a way to help them, right? Rather than looking for a way um, to judge them. Never, ever, ever, ever evaluate the worth of a person. Because the truth of the matter is in the first line of the parable that our Lord gave the man. He said, a certain man had two debtors. We tend to deal with the story just thinking about the woman. But our Lord had a deeper point. You're both debtors. You're judging this girl, but you're a debtor. It's two debtors. The minute that I start forgetting that is when I'm focusing only on this woman. But the subtle line was in the intro, which is, you're a debtor, I'm a debtor, everybody owes. Nobody is free from this. And our Lord only can judge for two reasons. One because he went through everything it is to be human. So he actually is. This is the reason why the father committed judgment to the son. He's saying, because you took on their weaknesses. You can understand what it is to be human. And the second, because he is the truth. Because the only judge of anything is absolute truth. Truth is the light that manifests a non-truth. It judges because of its own nature not because of an active will. It's because truth by its own nature does that. God, because He is perfection, perfection exposes imperfection, not out of malice and not out of, out of anger. And this same judge, the only one who has the right to judge, rather than condemning, justifies. Rather than killing, resurrects. And rather than exposing covers. May the Lord grant that we cast off all judgment from us and instead grow in love toward one another as love covers a multitude of sins. Glory be to our God forever and ever to the age of ages. Amen.